0: Good morning. It is so fun to be back here. Um, this is a really good church. You, you gotta know that. Um, we get around a lot and we get around to a lot of great churches. This is a great church. And, uh, we're just tickled to be asked back again. So when you get back asked, you get asked again, you know that they think you're okay too. So we're glad to be here. Um, I'm gonna do a selfless promotion before I begin anything. Um, I've got a book table back there, and I've got two books that I've written, and both of them have actually sold very well. One of them is a 31-day devotional called Can't See the Wind. Um, just like you can't see the wind, but you see the evidence of it everywhere, the same is true about how you can't see God, but you see evidence of him everywhere if you're looking. So that's what the devotional is about. And the other book is called This Pyramid. It's a book about relationships. And how many of you know if we got any fuss in, in our life, it's usually a relationship with somebody? This is a, has been a great help to a number of different people and uh, starts with our relationship with God and everything is built upon it. So I encourage you to pick them up. They're $10 a piece or two for 18. Um, that's the last I'm going to say about that. It is a selfless promotion, but every dollar that is made on the books goes to senior housing, ours. <laughs> That's why it's a selfless promotion. (laughs) I just met, you know, since I was here last year, Pastor Paul was here. He is now gone, moved on. Uh, And God does that in ministry, right? God just moves people around, puts them where he needs them to be in different seasons of life. And that's what church change and staff change is all about. And uh, I met on the phone yesterday, Pastor Wes. And met his wife this morning. And um, we discovered that we were both at the same church together. Um, actually, both served at the same church almost 25 years ago. And I'm not going to ask you to guess who's older. It's me. Um, he was probably in children's church when I was back there in 92. Is that about right? No, but you were in children's church in 92. Yeah, almost. I asked for that, didn't I? Ah. Okay, anyway, um, so long as we're on a roll, I got a couple of jokes to tell. Um, This first joke, your pastor would never tell you, and you'll know why in a minute. There was this church that had a pastor and a staff that were very hard-working people. They loved God. They loved their families. They loved the people they served. There were, however, some difficult people in that congregation. One of them is Mrs. Smith, who had a very difficult time with gossip. If there was gossip in the church, it usually could be traced back to Mrs. Smith. Well, one morning after an especially moving service and the altar call was taking place, Mrs. Smith walked up to the good pastor, and she said, Pastor, God really touched me today, and he wants me to lay my tongue on the altar. And the pastor thought for a minute about what that meant. And he said, well, Mrs. Smith, I'd love to help you, but our altar is only like eight feet wide. Now, you know he wouldn't tell you that joke because there'd be some of you all sitting out there going, he was talking about me. Or he was talking about sister so-and-so. So, there, I told it. One more that's just fun, okay? An inexperienced preacher who was to hold a graveside burial service at a pauper's cemetery for an indigent man with no family or friends... Not knowing where the cemetery was, apparently they didn't have GPSs, he made several wrong turns and he got lost. When he eventually arrived an hour late, the hearse was nowhere in sight, the backhoe was over next to the open hole, and the workmen were sitting under the tree eating lunch. The diligent young pastor went to the open grave and he found the vault lid already in place. Feeling guilty because of his tardiness, he preached. An impassioned and lengthy service, sending the deceased to his heavenly home in style. After he returned to his car, he overheard one of the workmen say to the other, You know, I've been putting septic tanks in for 20 years and I've never heard that before. gain of foolishness. (sighs) So, pastor appreciation. Here we are again uh, to appreciate Pastor Mark, Suzanne and their great staff and and their spouses as well. You need to know, as I said earlier, you have a great pastor and a great staff second to none. Um, One thing that you need to know is they do not do pastoral things because that's what they do. But rather they do pastoral things because it's who they are at the very core of their being it's not about the what rather the what is determined by the who how people pastor is a clear indication of how they how 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 they pastor people is a clear indication of how they see that do they see it as a job something that they do, or do they see it as something that they are? If it is something that they do, they tend to be legalistic and demanding and they just need to get a job done, and they punch the clock at 4.30 and they're out the door and you can't find them after that, and things are about rules and regulations, and if people don't fit into rules, people are something to be managed. People can be a number on a record rather than a soul that needs tending, and loved and cared for. On the other side, if they pastor because it's who they are, they tend to be gracious and kind and compassionate. And they're also willing to discipline and love because they understand that the stakes are so very high. They know that every soul is valuable and that every soul is at stake. People are not a number in a record, but they are God's treasures to be loved, to be nurtured, to be taught and others are to be sought after that are lost. For a good pastor, what they do is birthed out of who they are. As much as there might be times that they might want to walk away and sell recliners or motorcycles, they won't because at the end of the day, they cannot separate what they do from who they are. In every line of work we have those days, don't we? Right on your job, you have those days, right, where you just like to, you know, can I just like go sell bikes or something? And if you think for a minute that your pastors don't have those days, you can think again because they do. Am I right? But it comes back to who you are and who has called you to do what. A good pastor knows that he's hardwired to grow disciples and along with tending to the many needs of the sheep, And certainly to grow them up, to depend on Jesus for everything and not depend on them. They know that their lives are to be lived as an example. They understand the weight of the responsibility when the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, follow my example as I follow Christ. They get what that means. They live in a fishbowl and they understand that their lives are an open book. Sometimes they don't like it but it is who they are. So it is what it is. They know that they are under scrutiny unlike anybody else in their congregation because their lives are an example in the good times, in the bad times, in the difficult times of being an example of Christ. It's funny when we hear people say, well, you only really work two days a week, right? You only work on Wednesday and Sunday. What do you do? You know, I used to get so ticked when I heard people say stuff like that back in the early days until I realized they really don't know. They don't know who you are called to be. They don't know that your calling is a 24-7 calling. The first time that you get called to a hospital as a pastor or a police station in the wee hours of the morning, you come to the full understanding that it is a 24-7 call. Besides tending and caring for sheep inside and outside the sheep, outside the church, that's an awesome idea. That whole Halloween thing, that whole making coffee thing, what a great idea! Y'all need to do that. If you weren't making, somebody else can do that. No, you need to do that. That's a great idea. I threw that in for free. So, what is a pastor's greatest desire? I believe that a pastor's greatest desire is that the people under their watch are growing healthy disciples of Christ and that they produce healthy disciples of Christ. Does that make sense? They are growing to be healthy disciples of Christ and they are reproducing disciples of Christ. In a nutshell, that's kind of it. So because of that, you're going to hear your pastors, and I know you do. You hear good. We were just talking about that this morning. If we took all the messages that we ever preached, we could write a lot of devotionals, right? Because they're awesome messages. Your pastor doesn't think he preaches awesome messages, and he's not looking for good job, buddy. But every pastor struggles with, am I bringing good food to my congregation, It's an ongoing because their desire is to feed their congregation the good food from the Word of God. So because of who they are, there are several things that you're going to hear a lot about from them. One of them is that God is our provider. They understand full well, and so do you, Philippians 4.9. My God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. From your soul to every need that you have. God is the meter of those needs. That we would work like everything in our life depends on us, but believe with all of our heart that every good thing we have comes from God. That you would reflect the image of God you serve, believing that no matter what the need is, that God will meet it. Number two, that you read the word of God and you walk in godly wisdom. Believing that God's word is powerful, and and will give you everything that you need when you walk in that faith every day. There's a great a great um, picture coming up here in just a second. Come on, one, two, three, go! There it is. Isn't that cool? Matthew 7:24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them in the practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. He wants you to always ingest the word of God every day and be wise. Thirdly, he wants you to realize the power that you have within you. You have everything you need to live a life of purity and holiness before God. In John chapter 14, Jesus has this conversation with his disciples. And he was telling them it was going to be good for them that, they, that he leaves. And they, good near interpretation, were like freaking out. What do you mean it's good? If you leave, it's not good for us. You've only been here three years. What do you mean you're going to leave? And Jesus said, because if I leave, I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit in you. And you will have everything that you need, not just to live this life as God's people, but to produce disciples. You will have everything that you need. A pastor is hardwired to make you understand that as well. Those times when you feel like you just can't do it, a good pastor helps his people not by solving their problems, but by helping them realize that they have the indwelling, all-powerful Holy Spirit within them. And that is that God that will take you to his word, that will bring things to you, that will speak to you in things that you've never heard before, to assure you that you do have what it takes fourthly healthy relationships families church family work relationships neighbors as christians we're a part of a family that is way bigger than just us we don't just on a sunday morning blow in and blow out again if you do i'm sorry because there's so much more to becoming a part of a body God has made us for relationships. And because he's made us for relationships, remember when I said about my book, because God has made us for relationships with people, there's always going to be disagreements and arguments. And and if you don't think so, just go on Facebook. Man, social media, watching Christians going back and forth, I want to go, shut up. Do you realize the damage we do to each other? It's hard to not take offense in the world that we live today because everybody takes offense about something and it happens within the church too. As people of faith, God's word tells us what to do. Romans 12:18 says do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. That means it's my responsibility. I remember the first time I read that how many years ago it went That makes it my fault. And the Lord said, No, it's not your fault, it's your responsibility that you are to be the one, as much as it depends on you to live at peace. And then in Proverbs sixteen seven it says, When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Think on that for a minute. Even our enemies will live at peace with us when our lives please the Lord. Some people run about thinking that Christians got to offend people all over the place. That's not true. We bring the love of God. We bring the truth of the power of God. Even those that are enemies will live at peace with us. Next, your pastor wants you to be Jesus with skin, like serving coffee when people come to your house. I mean, I hear churches preaching against all that. I do. I look at it as an opportunity when someone comes rapping on my door, which nobody comes to our house for trick-or-treat. I've been disappointed for 15 years. we lived in a house. Nobody comes, not one. Well, because of the street we live on, it's just not conducive. Anyway, it didn't always used to be like that. We used to sit outside at the picnic table with a pot of coffee. I mean, we're talking 15 years ago a pot of coffee and give the kids candy and converse with the people as they walked up to our door. Isn't that what we do as hosts when someone comes to your house? Your pastor is desiring for you to be Jesus with skin. That you would make a difference in in the lives of those in your sphere of influence. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? The guys that should have helped didn't. And the guy that had no obligation to help did? Jesus said in Luke 10.37, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. He said, which of the guys showed mercy? And they said, well, the guy that went and helped. The guy that didn't have to, but he went and he helped. And he continued to help. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Dr. James Bradford said, People are not worth loving because they fit our preferences or agree with our opinions. They are worth loving because they are the handiwork of God's creative intention and genius. He wants you to know that we all have a responsibility to cross some great divides in building relationships with people, gender divides, racial divides, how many divides? I told somebody recently on a Facebook post that we've got more divides, the divisions amongst us than a math class. But Jesus has asked us to reach across divides and make a difference for the kingdom. Number six, your pastor knows you're going to walk through fires. Talking about that this morning, Suzanne. I went, she looked at my notes. Because these folks know you're going to walk through fires because they've walked through fires. They know that there's times that you're going to feel like there's a glass ceiling and God is not hearing you. They know that you're sure at times that the trial you're going through is never going to end. And they also know that you're sure at those times that what, you're going to go, what you are going through is going to destroy you because they've done that they've been there they know what that feels like but there's a story in malachi 3 3 there's a a story that comes out of malachi malachi 3 3 first of all says and he will sit like a refiner of silver burning away the dross there's a story about that that there were some people that were having a bible study and they were reading this portion of scripture And somebody said, doesn't that just sound weird to you that the refiner of silver would sit while silver, the precious metal, is in the fire? And they were like, yeah, that's just really weird. Why would he just sit and watch it? So somebody volunteered to go find a silversmith and actually have this conversation. So I went to the silversmith and said, do you really? Is that what you do? You sit? While the silver is in the fire, and he said, oh, yeah. I sit and I watch intently until the fire has done what it is supposed to do. And I know that if I leave it in there too long, that it will be destroyed. So I pull it out at just the right moment. And they said, well, how do you know? How do you know that it's the right moment? And he said, when I can see my reflection... I know it's the right moment. Your pastors know that God never leaves us in trials and struggles to destroy us, but that when we come through, we would reflect the image of the God that we love. God hasn't gone MIA, though it feels like he has, but he sits on the stool, and he waits, and he watches his eye is forever on you. Lastly, your pastor knows that he's coming back again. As sure as Jesus came the first time he's coming back again, that topic has gotten more Christians in the fussing about the when and the who's and the befores and the afters, and I don't care. My responsibility is that I'm ready, and the people that I love are ready. Because Matthew twenty five forty two says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know what day or hour the Lord will come. As long as he is pastor, he will always make sure that you are aware that Jesus is coming. For him to not tell you that is too costly because our souls are at stake. So to you, church, I tell you to rise up and be strong, that God will use you as you follow the lead of your pastor to make a difference in Port Washington and the surrounding areas. I'm assuming you come from a lot of surrounding areas here. And God has placed this church isn't here by some happenstance because somebody had a great idea to plant the church, though it was a God vision. This church is here right now in 2017 because there's something that God is intending to do through each and every person that is here to touch this community. Why? Because the enemy would sooner destroy people's lives. John 10.10 says the thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy, but I have come to give life that they might have it to the full. Your pastor wants your life to be full and abundant so stay in the word. Pray that you will always hear the voice of God afresh and anew every day. Get in the word. People say, well, how much do I have to word? Have to sit and read for a whole hour? I don't care. If you read for five minutes, I don't know. So long as you're getting something, we read the word of God every day. Lastly, before I speak directly to our pastors and you get to listen in, Billy Graham once said, the test of a preacher is that his congregation goes away not saying, what a lovely sermon, but I will do something. So when you hear messages every week, know that when he is preparing and he's praying and he's studying and he's doing research, it's not that you would applaud him, but it's that you would do something. So, Pastor Mark and Suzanne, staff families, where are you? I, I'm looking around here and I'm seeing raise hands so I see where you are. We are so grateful that you have chosen to walk in the calling of God. This congregation is thankful that you have chosen to be an example of Christ. So we thank you. God has called you. He has anointed you, and the word that I have for our pastors today is to protect the anointing. The responsibility of the anointing of God upon you is to, yes, to be faithful to it, but to protect that anointing. Each one of you have gifts and abilities that God has given you, but without the anointing, you're just gifted people. I have that conversation with God every time I get up and speak. God, I've put together all the notes, I've done whatever, but without your anointing, I can just sit back down. If God has gifted you with wisdom, without the anointing, you're just a wise guy. Without the anointing of God, you can lead, or with the anointing of God, you can lead your people in power and authority a very wise pastor friend told a small group of us at one time to protect the anointing and we sat for a while and we really talked about what does that mean too many ministers have not taken that responsibility seriously and they have fallen into traps and ditches and compromised their effectiveness in the ministry we can probably recall some that that has happened too it is so sad I ran into an individual that I used to work side-by-side with that did just that. Ran into him at a gas station. I was in tears afterwards saying, I don't know what happened to my friend. Somebody that I was so close to. I miss my friend. I mean, to see him, he's there, flesh and blood. But somebody hijacked him. And God has said, protect the anointing. David compromised and he fell into a pretty big ditch. Samson, we all know the story. Judges sixteen twenty says, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's the danger. We mess around and we mess around and we don't think it's really bad. And pretty soon we've lost the anointing and we don't even know it. Gentlemen, I know I'm not telling you something you don't know. I know you know this, but protect the anointing of God on your life. God has plans for you, for your families, for your church. Step out in the power and authority and protect. God will bless you as you make decisions every day to walk in purity and holiness. Last year, I encouraged you to pray for your pastors. We even talked about taking off your shoes, showing that now is your time, that you're going to go pray for your pastors. I pray that you are still praying every day for your pastors. Not because they are weak, but because there's an enemy that's gunning for them. Anybody that is doing anything for God, the enemy is gunning for them. He doesn't care who he destroys in the process. So pray for your pastors. A couple of things that I... I heard just the other day from a great friend, a great ministry friend, three enemies of a strong leader. The first one is insecurity. Moses, when it was insecure, he was afraid he couldn't even talk right, right? How many of y'all know, uh, congregation, y'all need to know, we know we can't talk right. We get that. I get my words all tangled up and sometimes things come out that I didn't think I meant. And then I remember what I used to tell my kids when my kids would say, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, you did, because what's in your heart comes out your mouth. So at some level, we all deal with the, some level of insecurity. Even David struggled with insecurities. If you don't think so, just read the Psalms. I mean, a strong, strong leader. But he struggled. Your insecurity can cause you to lose focus on the vision that God has given you. You will look to yourself rather than the God of the vision. So protect the anointing by keeping your eyes on the God of the vision. And then there's issues. Life issues. There's marriage stresses. And yes, pastoral families have stresses. There's kid, there's family troubles, there's physical illnesses, there's church issues and strife. All issues that we walk through can blur our vision. And we risk getting caught up into the issue and off track. You have taught others that God walks with them as they walk through their their stuff, their, their trials. In that same way, God is with you as you walk through them. Protect the anointing and keep your eyes on him. Lastly, there's idols. As glaucoma is a disease that narrows our vision, so do idols in our life. And Idols is kind of an old-fashioned word, and we don't think we have idols anymore. But for a minister, idols might look a little different than they do for others. Some things that we need to look out for. We can fall in love with the bride of Christ instead of causing the bride of Christ to fall in love with God. We can love our churches so much. Number two, there's a danger of falling in love with the ministry instead of the Lord of the ministry. Then it becomes about the doing, then it becomes about the I am not enough. Some people say that it can be, and I, this, this was a weird one for me when I heard it, but I, I pondered it a bit. Some say that it can be hard for a minister to worship because he's used to being worshipped. I don't think these guys are worshipped. I hope not. I know I've been places where pastors have been, and it's a sad day. In the life of a minister, the enemy won't often tempt them with things that they hate, but rather he takes the things that we love and works to get them out of balance, out of our priorities out of balance. The good things take a higher priority than the God that gave them. Some people even idolize themselves. I don't spend too much time talking about that, but some people do. They think they're all that. It's all about them. Strong leaders have good accountability and never idolize themselves or their position. It's interesting about accountability. I've had so many people over the years say, well, I just need somebody to hold me accountable. That's not the way accountability works. Accountability works when I make myself accountable to Pastor Mark. The church that we attend, when we're not there, they know why we're not there. They know what we're doing. Where we are I choose to make myself accountable to them Because they are my leaders Strong leaders need that accountability Not so much from you Some maybe But generally we have relationships Outside of our church That we make ourselves accountable to So protect the anointing By forsaking any idols in your life And loving God with all your heart Soul and mind Always find your security in him It was him him that called you and gives you all you need. Protect that anointing for yourself, for your family, and for those that God has entrusted into your care. You're going to always have issues. Never let them cloud your vision. Remember who's sitting on the stool watching. And know that he's building your story. How many of you know that there's nothing you've gone through in your life that God hasn't used in some way, shape, or form? He's building our story. Idols, in order to protect the anointing, never, never, never let your ministry or your church become an idol. What we do can never be about us. So, gentlemen, protect the anointing. I want to close this morning with us praying for these families, these pastoral families. So I'd like to invite them to come up here, if you would. Um... Once they get up here, I'm going to pray for them. But I want to invite different ones from this congregation. Some of you have very specific things that you would pray for your pastor about. How do I know that? Because I pray for my pastors, and I know that there's just certain things that God has me to focus on for them. So I want to invite different ones up here, of you up here. I'm going to hand you the microphone, and I want you to lead us in prayer for however you feel this morning that you would like to pray for your pastors. So come on up. Once we're done, then I will close in prayer. I would like to welcome you up. Maybe some from the deacon board can start or something. I don't know. Once somebody starts, then other people feel free to go. So somebody start. Father God, I want to thank you for our pastoral leadership, Lord. I want to ask that you put your hand of strength and guidance over them, Lord. I just ask to continue to endure, help them endure, help them to move forward, Lord God, and help them to glorify your name, Lord, you above all things, Lord. Because they're not doing this of their own. They're doing this for you, Lord. I pray that you just bless each and every day of their lives, Lord God. Guide, show them, mentor them, Lord. Help them build stronger and grow stronger to glorify your kingdom, Lord. We thank you so very much for putting them in our lives, Lord God, and for this church. We thank you for the opportunity to, to praise you, to be able to worship you in a free nation, Lord. As we move forward, Lord God, just put your hand of protection and safety over all of us. Be with them now and always, we pray. Lord, I look up here and see these wonderful families. God, I pray that that these pastors would prioritize their kids, God, that they would show that love of Christ to them, that they would grow closer to you, that this church body would help encourage those relationships, God. Because, God, we, we talked about the relationship and the importance of that earlier in the sermon. So, Lord, I just want to thank you, number one, um, for being the foundation of these households, for having pastors that put you first. And so, but let just let that just be reflected in their families and each and every one of them. God, thank you. Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit is in our lives, that Jesus might become real to us, and my prayer is simply that each one of these, our pastor, our staff pastors, their wife, their families, or that they might fall in love with you. I pray, Lord, that the distinction that this church have not only be that we care, but that our pastors, and their family, their children, they love Jesus. Lord, above all things, that you put in them a deep, abiding love for you. Because, Lord, we know as congregants here that if that happen, everything else will be all right. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, Jesus. I just thank you for these pastures that you've given us to lead us. And, Lord, I pray you continue to use them to lead us and prepare us for the harvest so that we are ready when the harvest is there for a bountiful harvest. I pray this in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you in your word. You said that pastors are a gift from you to us. Help us as congregation, Lord, to honor the gift that you have given us. Because it's not a reflection on them, it's a reflection on you. Help us to love you and love our pastors and together succeed in the purpose and design that you give this body, I ask in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that you just sustain them and nurture them in a way they can receive it most. That whatever they need to keep them filled and standing, that you would just send it in abundance. Whether it's little funnies or a hand on a shoulder. Anything that they need to sustain them, Lord, just pour it out and protect them in it. So they can stand with joy that just bubbles forth. The people say, I want that. Those are our guys and ladies and kids. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we just thank you for these precious pastors, Lord God. They are just a huge blessing to all of us. Lord, your word says that we should come boldly before the throne. And Lord, we just pray in confidence that you bless each and every one of these pastors. And especially their marriages, God. God, touch their marriages. I pray that they would just date one another, their spouses, and just um, be with him, God. May they fall in love with each other and keep you at the center of their marriage, God. Bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray for them, Father, because they have this loving heart, Father. They put their homes, Father, um, and they have this heart for you, Father. and. They always give so much to us, Lord, to this congregation, Father. And, Lord, I just pray for their homes. I pray for their finances. I pray for their children, that you continue to bless them, Lord, that you continue to bless their finances, that you provide every need that they may have, Lord. I just pray that you continue to bless over them, Father, for this, in the name of Jesus. Father, we do thank you for who you are. God above anything you do for us we thank you for who you are God I thank you for who these men are and their wives are and their children are because you they are a reflection of you to this church and to this congregation to this city God I pray even as so many have already prayed this morning, I believe this congregation has already prayed the very heart of God for the people they love. So God, I pray that you'd wrap your arms tightly around them. If someone already prayed for their marriages, that their marriages would be strong. That their families would be strong. That their priorities of the relationships in their life would never get juggled, but that their relationship with you, as was already prayed, that they would be in love with Jesus. And after that great love would be their spouse and their children and then the work that you've called them to do because of who they are. So God, bless them. Bless them abundantly. God, I know you've created an environment of happy people here. And I pray that you'd give them just enough laughter and just enough fun with this congregation to keep them real. How often we hear people in our community say, I like that church because they're just real. And I think that's the case in Portview Church. It's just real around here. And that atmosphere is set by the leadership here and everybody that sits in this congregation. So, God, we pray blessing upon them. Let this upcoming year just be incredible, incredible for them in seeing the things that you have only allowed them to dream so far. That your dreams and visions would come forward this year with the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. So, God, we commit them to you because we trust you and we know that they love you. And we thank you. We praise you. We look forward to some fellowship time together to love on these folks again and love on each other. In Jesus' name, amen.